You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 440 true stories of the Old West. Also, now available on Amazon, my first book, a historical fiction based on true events entitled Coal Miner to Cowboy. The story of a young man born in England in 1850. He wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Bozeman, Montana. He also rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He travels with a wagon train, and on his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and is now available on Amazon. Visit my webpage for a link to Amazon for the book, Coal Miner to Cowboy. And bringing you now old Sneezy of the Seven Dwarfs. Dr. History. No, oh, I got to turn your mic on. You scared me so bad, I forgot to turn your mic on this <laughs> well, maybe morning. Maybe they didn't hear me sneeze. You should have seen that, folks. I mean, the guy sneezes and the headsets went 25 feet up My in the air. My glasses fell off. I mean, <laughs> it was a wreck. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice 22 degrees out there, Zeb. There is no such thing as uh, nice, nice 22. 22. You know yeah. what? I'm looking forward. In about eight days, they're calling for 50. Oh, that sounds good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do we got? Okay, I'm going to talk. Oh, did Schnitzel Flooster? No, I haven't heard from him for a few probably weeks. Probably got mad at me. Yeah, well, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Making fun of him. There you go. So, going to talk about a guy, and maybe you've heard of this guy, James Beckworth. I have. He was a he was a Negro guide. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so James Beckworth. Uh, there are a lot of examples of African Americans who left their mark in history, despite they had some pretty rough obstacles. But however, their stories are often not told or represented either during their lifetime or even afterwards. And one of those uh, most famous nationwide during his life and after is this James P. Beckworth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now Jim Beckworth was a fur trapper, explorer, mountain man, innkeeper, author, storyteller, scout, guide, and even more. It's sometimes hard to get a clear picture of the specifics of his life. Uh, Even when he was alive in the early decades of the 19th century, he was considered, like a lot of those guys, a teller of tall tales. In other words, they elaborated a a tad on the truth. Uh, He was known to his fellow trappers and mountain men as, quote, yarn spinner and avid storyteller. I love that. I like the way the yarn spinner and storyteller. There you go. So it can be hard to determine how accurate his memoirs are, but even if a part of this is true, even half or three-fourths, it's it's still a pretty impressive story. Well, it's impressive if he even made it up. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, James Beckworth was still one of the most uh, influential and impressive mountain men of the early days of the American West, especially given his origins. James Pearson Beckworth was born into slavery in Virginia in 1798. His mother was a slave, and his father was his family's white owner, who acknowledged him as his son. Wait a minute. minute. You lost me. So his mother was a slave. Mother was a slave, but his dad was white. His dad was the owner, the slave owner. 
Okay. So James was, uh, you know, from an African-American mother and a white father. And so what then? Well, he just acknowledged him as his son. He didn't ignore him. The, The white slave owner. How could the wife be a slave if she was married to the slave owner? Okay, that wasn't his wife. Okay. Okay. <laughs> she was a slave. I got you now. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't want to confuse you. You did. All right. Thank you. So uh, he never let that interfere with his life. I mean, even though that was a rough beginning. Carry on, Sergeant. Carry on. So there's a guy named Edward Wallace, and a lot of this I'm going to take from him. Okay. This uh, Edward Wallace was a historical reenactor from New Mexico who has been giving educational performances and presentations as Jim Beckworth for the last 12 years. Uh, You know how they do reenactments. Yeah. So this guy is uh, pretending or acting as James Beckworth. Okay. So uh, he's done a lot of research. So I I feel like a lot of the information I've got here is is pretty accurate. All right. So when Wallace first began his work as a reenactor, he wanted to represent an individual that children of his community could look up to, and he chose James or Jim Beckworth mm-hmm. because of the research. So Absolutely. Jim Beckworth was definitely a role model. Uh, this Wallace guy said he over quote he overcomes such adversity in his life and is an example of possibilities. He's proof that there's nothing we can't do with our lives, no matter what our background, no matter our circumstances, he should be a role model for the black community. There you go. So anyway, I'm really impressed with this guy. So this Edward Wallace, uh, he tells of Beckworth's uh, different accomplishments, uh, the reasons the trapper should be remembered and recognized because of all the things he did. So again, from his origins, he was a slave. Uh, Jim Beckworth rose to become one of the most prominent figures in the American West during his lifetime. Now, he was actually uh, freed by his father because uh, he was a slave. Yeah. And he was freed by his father. And pretty soon he fell in with uh, William Ashley, William Henry Ashley, and a fur, fur, tra- fur tra- trapping company founded by him. I see. The Ashley Fur, uh, okay. fur Company. So the dad freed his son exactly. from being a slave. Yes. Okay. I've You're said still enough. with me. I've said enough. This group, the, the Ashley Company, uh, was composed of about 100 trappers and mountain men, including people you know, uh, William and Mil- Milton Sublett, Hugh Glass, the yeah. guy that got mauled the by guy. the bear. The tough guy. Thomas Fitzpatrick, Jim Bridger. Mm-hmm. The company would later become well-known under the name, the new name, the Rocky Mountain Fur Company. There you go. Yeah. You've had stories on them. Yeah. The Rocky Mountain Fur Company, uh, all through, you know, Montana, Wyoming, yeah. even down into Idaho. Yep. So, so anyway, Jim Beckworth stayed with the Rocky Mountain Fur Company for many years. He traveled right through what is now Montana, Wyoming, Utah, Colorado. And it doesn't say here, but I'm pretty sure they got down into the Idaho area, Island Park and into that area. Okay. I believe. So, according to his own accounts, Beckworth distinguished himself early on through good relations with the Native Americans, from whom he learned their methods of hunting, fishing, tracking, trapping, all the things that you could learn as, as you were around the So, Navy. he came out west in what year? Oh, gosh. Well, he was born in, what, 1798, so yeah. uh, early 1800s, 1820s, maybe, okay. somewhere right in there. And he didn't know a thing. 
Well, you know, he had to have had some knowledge about survival, don't you think? Well, I would hope. To, to, to be able to join with the Rocky Mountain Fur Company. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't just take on anybody. So, anyway, his relationship with the Native Americans grew deeper as time went on. Around, well, here it is, around the mid-1820s, Beckworth somehow fell in with the Crow Indian Nation. Really? He married a Crow woman and lived among the Crow for several years. He trapped with them. He traded the furs to white traders. So he actually trapped and lived with the uh, different tribes of the Crow Nation. Hmm. So now in the mid-1830s, Beckworth left the Crow Band permanently. His reason is unclear. Uh, the reason, reason given in his memoirs is a desire to return to, quote, civilization and that he was getting tired of warfare. Well, what about his wife? She went with him. Oh. Yeah. So this decade-long stay with the Crow Nation was uh, uh, not the end of Beckworth's adventures in the West, not even close. After a brief stint in the Army, during which he served in the Seminole Wars, he returned to the Rocky Mountains, now as an independent trapper, trader, and guide. And, you know, a lot of those guys did that. They would be with the company for a while, but uh, a lot of times they found that they could do better just on their own. On their own. Yeah. So a lot of them did that. Then they'd go to the rendezvous, of course, yeah. and, and sell their furs and, and get restocked uh, up for the next year. But it was during this time that he became one of the most noteworthy mountain men of the era. And he was present for and even participated in a lot of the landmark events in the history of the American West. So this Edward Wallace, the guy that's the reenactor and historian, he said, quote, he founded El Pueblo which I, I, I should have looked that up. Uh, it must be a town or something. Well, yeah. He, he owned the most prestigious hotel in Santa Fe. Really? He was out west in California during the Revolution and the Gold Rush. He trapped with Kit Carson and Jim Bridger. He lived such a fascinating life to come from where he was, being born a slave. I mean, look at what all these he's done so far. Anyway, Beckworth... Must have had a little money. Well, he he must have done. I mean, while he was uh, living with the Crow Indians and, yeah. uh, you know, trapping, he had to have uh, uh, gotten a pretty good start yeah. financially. Yeah. So he worked at both Fort Vasquez and El Pueblo. He blazed trails across both the Rockies and the Sierra Nevadas for the people heading west. He was present for what they call the Bear Flag Revolt, which was the California Republic or revolt that took place there. And again, I, I, I should have looked up more information. About I'm that. lost on that one. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd have to check that. But uh, he was part of the Mexican-American War and then the California Gold Rush. When you say bear flag revolt, though, isn't there a bear on the state flag yes. of California? Yes. I, like I say, I, sorry, folks, I should yeah. have checked that out more. But I believe that's when the uh, California, uh, they revolted against being... Uh, in yeah. America. Yeah. So, sorry, folks. I'll, uh, anyway, he was an Army scout with Colonel Shivington's campaigns against against Native Americans in the Colorado Territory and was a witness to what they called the Sand Creek Massacre, which was uh, a horrendous massacre that took place uh, against an Indian tribe. 
Um, anyway, throughout his life, Beckworth maintained uh, friendships across the nation in the trading posts of Colorado, the Crow Villages all along the, the Rocky Mountains, the Goldfields of California, and the cities of St. Louis and Santa Fe. And these friends came from all walks of life and races in North America. So they knew him all over the West. They did. Uh, in the big cities, in the wow. Goldfields, the uh, Crow Indian Villages. Yeah, he was just... So he had to do a lot of traveling. Yeah. You know? But uh, though, you know, through his skill, his capabilities, and according to this guy, personal charisma, uh, Beckworth overcame the boundaries in his way and became highly respected, not only among his fellow trappers, but even beyond. And to be, you know, in some of these bigger cities like Santa Fe and St. Louis and be highly thought of, I mean, that that, uh, tells a lot about it. That would put us about, what, the 1830s or 40s? Yeah, 1840s, yeah. Yeah, okay. But later on in life, he was widely known in stories about the frontier, a lot like Kit Carson and Hugh Glass. And he was sought out by both the Army and westward settlers as a guide and a scout. However, not long after his death in 1866, the perception of Beckworth began to kind of shift. And by this point, his memoirs had been widely read for a decade, and they quickly came under attack by historians of the time. So he died at a relatively early age of 68. 1866, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, about 18, yeah, yeah, about 68 years old. So by the 1870s, less than 10 years after his death, historians were calling his memoirs, quote, little more than campfire stories and using his reputation for exaggeration to dismiss not only his claims, but even what he had achieved. Really? So they were they were dismissing this guy, you know? Well, by the time the, quote, Wild West became cemented in the minds of American population, Beckworth had kind of faded from view in favor of other, and I hate to use this term, but whiter, according to this guy, whiter heroes with equally outlandish tales. So the ridiculous racism was way back then. Yeah. 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 So people like Hugh Glass, who fought a grizzly bear and came back from the dead. Buffalo Bill Cody, who killed 5,000 bison in one year. Yeah. Davy Crockett, who died fighting at the Alamo and took 16 Mexican soldiers with him, uh, despite eyewitness accounts to the contrary. Yeah. But these guys caught the attention because, like I say, I hate to use the term, but they were whiter, white heroes, so Painful. to speak. You know, yeah, yeah, it is a shame. So luckily there's people like this Edwards guy that, you know, is is bringing this back to the forefront. When did he start being the uh, spokesman for Jim Beckworth? Uh, You know, I don't know that. I just, but he's modern day. But did he study the man and go in and and really dig into the man's history? Yes, he researched him, found out what he did, all he'd accomplished, the great things that he had done as a trapper, a hunter, a scout out all these things and again he is reenacting as Jim Beckworth. I wonder why society at that time tried to diminish him. What was the reason? That no idea. Yeah. No idea. But anyway, Beckworth's story like those of so many other people of color was sidelined and dismissed. And while it's true that some of the tales in his memoirs probably were exaggerated for entertainment value, there's still a core of truth to them, and there's no excuse for completely dismissing Beckworth's very real accomplishments. Well, what happened to the wife? You know, I don't really know that. And what? what any children? I, I don't know that either. The, the information I have doesn't mention uh, family, only that he had married the Crow Indian woman. 
And so, but there had to be children. Absolutely. So, but he achieved as much, if not more, than his most famous white counterparts and his contemporaries. The mountain men who travel and work with him clearly greatly respected this guy. uh, Again, because of the information that we have of what they said about him. But, you know, because of the combination of his race, his humble origins, and his reputation for tall tales, Beckworth's story was ignored or outright rejected, and the truth of it was almost entirely forgotten, especially among the general public. So Edward Wallace, this guy, here's what he says, quote, The fact is that for a long time he was lost to history because of his color. In the 1950s, Hollywood made a movie called Broken Arrow, and Beckworth was one of the characters but he was played by a white actor. I remember that. Yeah. movie was on TV here about two weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. But he was played by a white actor. Isn't that something? Yeah. I can't wait to see that again. Yeah, I'd like to, now that I've read this. So, yeah. But the treatment of Beckworth's adventures and accomplishments, especially in contrast with uh, the ways other mountain men of the time were recognized, is just one example of the contributions of the African Americans being kind of forgotten and ignored. You know, we talked about, let's see, was it Bill Pickett, the started the event steer One wrestling. of the greatest yeah. cowboys, yeah. Uh, you know. But Edward Wallace said this. He said, quote, people don't recognize the contribution. Oh, I, I said that. Um, yeah, the contribution of blacks to the American West. There were blacks in every aspect of society throughout our history here. There wouldn't have been any trail drives without them. No, absolutely not. Um uh, in fact, in my book, uh, uh, the t- part I talk about, the trail drive, there's two uh, African-American boys on this uh, That's right. trail drive. I, I so, wonder why and who decided that they were going to diminish him. I mean, there had to be some kind of a concentrated effort. Yeah, somehow, you know, racism, whatever yeah. you want to call it. But you would think that the mountain men and the associates of the mountain men, the trappers uh, that owned the businesses and everything else, would have kept the story intact, wouldn't right. you? Well, you think about cattle drives. You think about uh, the cowboys, uh, ra- uh, the color of a person's skin. In, whether they were uh, Hispanic or African American, it didn't matter. If you could ride a horse and you were good at the rope and knew knew what you were doing, it didn't matter what color your skin yeah, was. That's the way it should be. Exactly. So you know, despite over a century of kind of obscurity, Jim Beckworth's accomplishments still live on through storytellers and scholars like this Edward Wallace and others who are trying to keep this alive. Now, is he still alive today? You know, I didn't have a chance to look that up, but I think that he is because this. Uh, this article isn't that old. I see. So, but his achievements are being recognized more and more in various museums, including El Pueblo History Museum and Fort Vasquez, uh, as are the accomplishments of other African American individuals and uh, communities throughout history. I wonder if that El Pueblo refers to actually today Pueblo, Colorado. Uh, it could be. Uh, but it says, and I think it's new or fairly recent, the El Pueblo History Museum. I see. I see. I so, see. Okay. But, you know, today Jim Beckworth's memoirs are, are still in print. You can still uh, find them. Uh, they remain an interesting and valuable historical document, providing a detailed and unique source of social history, a look into both Native American and early United States society from the point of view of an individual as an African-American man and a freed slave. I 
have somewhere in my possession, in one of my history books, cowboy history books, whatever, a picture of Jim Beckworth. Yeah, when I did this story, I, I, there was a picture, but I couldn't print it he out. He was a big man, I think. Yeah, I, it didn't say, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, and I really appreciate your uh, having that story on the air because it's a shame that because of his his uh, color of his skin that he was diminished into basically nothing. Well, uh, put in the background. Yeah. You know, and grateful for guys like this uh, Edward Wallace. Absolutely. And there's other, you know, quite a few others that are bringing forth the, the contributions of, you know, the Mexicans, uh, the, the Hispanics, the the Indians, the right. uh, and the African Americans, and all they did uh, in the history of the American West. Absolutely. Great story. Thank Appreciate you. that. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that you know Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.